Hello and welcome back to the Middling Along podcast. This episode is a little bit different. Uh, Very happy to welcome our first ever male guest. He also happens to be my long-suffering husband, Stephen Thomas. Welcome to the podcast, Stephen. Thank you very much, Emma. I am honoured and quite nervous to be here. (laughs) (laughs) As I, I, in my ears, I hear many of your listeners going, A man! A man? A very very loud man. (laughs) On the Middling Along podcast? No. (laughs) Well, there's a first time for everything. Um, So, yeah, we we chatted about doing this over Christmas and... um, some strange, perverse uh, part of us decided that it would be quite probably an interesting time capsule for our kids as well to listen back to at some point if we stash this away for posterity <laughs> in case they're ever wondering <laughs> whether we did actually get on or not. Um, but yeah, so it would be uh, interesting to, I guess, kind of hear from you about um, sort of men- menopause, perimenopause from the point of view of a partner a husband um and and what it's like to be on on the other side uh of that dynamic so so yeah I don't know can we maybe start off by telling us what your I guess sort of perception or understanding of menopause would have been if we rewound the clock back sort of two and a half years before I started any of this crazy podcasting business well, as a man, let me tell you about the menopause. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, caveats aside. Uh, that was a joke, by the way. So one of the things I have found that has been very interesting is learning how much ignorance there is, uh, both in men and, and you know, societally about the menopause. And I think actually more recently, thanks to all the wonderful reading that you're doing, I'm learning more and more about um, the sort of the systemic ignorance and actually sexism about everything around menstrual health and women's bodies, which I think is a real eye-opener. You know, the fact, as I was reading in one of your guests' book the other night, you know, that there is, uh, you know, any kind of pain relief under the sun. Um, if you're a man, you've got a sports injury, it's right. You've got very, very specific, take this up, do this, take that. Um, but for menstrual pain, there is over-the-counter ibuprofen and a hot water bottle. And it feels like actually there's a lot of uh, investment. And for some reason, I don't know why, it seems to be one of the subjects that men are nervous talking about. And then as we live in a patriarchal society, that has made it that it's just something that isn't discussed enough until wonderful people like you and others like you are coming along and saying, this is really important, this affects um, you know, half the population. Mm-hmm. Um, what are we doing about it? And I think it's interesting to reflect back about how much of my sort of early life and childhood, um, how that coloured for me what the menopause was uh, and thinking about what my mum went through when there wasn't support, there wasn't education. And so that was quite a difficult experience, I'm sure for her, but it was something we never talked about Mm -hmm. as well. And I think that led me to believe that this time was going to come in your life (laughs) and it wasn't going to be fun. Um, And so... And it was very scary leading up to this point. Yeah. So, so you're, I guess you're that only role model or kind of exemplar of, of menopause was, was kind of what your mum went through uh, at, at that point. And from what you as a kind of a teenager, I guess, at that point would have seen her sort of struggling with, but presumably not really 
understanding at the time that that is what she was going through herself. Yeah, there was, I think there was talk about hot flushes and hot, there was a, the, the heat thing, which, you know, everyone associates. I remember there being a book and it was like one of those Doring Kindersley books that she'd got from the library and it was like, you know, menopause in big blue <laughs> letters, which I never looked at, but it wasn't talked about. But obviously I was a teenager. There were two other kids. My dad was an, an academic that was often lost in an academic world in his own, you know, so not always <laughs> paying attention and being sensitive. He was a good man, but not always being fully in tune with everyone's emotions. So it could be quite a volatile time. And I, you know, thinking back, I've got to be careful what I say because my mum might be listening, but there, there wasn't any kind of outlet. There wasn't any place that mm. she could discuss that. I mean, the nearest was things like, you know, Weight Watchers or kind of, keep, you know, that was, it was the 80s. So it was like, there were groups, there weren't really women's groups in the way that there are now. Well, there might have been, but not in, you know, suburban Edinburgh. Mm. The women's groups were going round to her friend's house to have a cup of tea and sit in the conservatory and sort of have a, have a rest or have a glass of wine. But there wasn't any, there wasn't any guidance on health. There wasn't any guidance on drinking. I don't think it was, I mean, I, I wasn't aware, but I don't remember there being anything on, you know, bone density. It was just like, this is a time where your mother may be volatile. Gonna and... get a bit hot and a bit cross. Yeah, and like, <laughs> you know, and, and she did. And she, she you know, through, there were, I remember a pizza being thrown, um, but also clearly, you know, was going through a lot of, you know, a lot of really emotional stuff at the time, both with, you know, some children leaving home and, and just that time in life. And also she was going back to teaching in a really, really tough primary school in a deprived area in Edinburgh. Mm. Um, so there was a lot going on, like a lot of stress. And actually it's, it's just really interesting. There was not, you know, it was sort of, it felt, it felt like to me from my perspective, I, I, I don't know what it's like from her perspective, but it was sort of something that a woman got on with quietly. We didn't discuss it. It was really annoying because it caused these hot flushes and, you know, she would get upset, but there wasn't really a way of even being supportive and sensitive because it was almost like, right, you go away and the elephant in the room. <laughs> yeah, like... that's the menopause. We don't understand that. That's your business. Go and go and deal with that in a locked yeah. room and don't don't bother anyone. And I think that I think that's a common kind of refrain from people of my generation, our generation, in terms of what you know their their mothers went through. That it was very much kind of you know it wasn't really overtly discussed people did just kind of muddle through as best they could they might have gone on to hrt and you know they might not have done um and yeah 20 years ago there was the you know the big hrt scare and, and i think sort of you know like a 50 percent drop off in terms of people who had been taking hrt and then suddenly stopped overnight because of the kind of health concerns so probably that did kind of impact a lot of people of her generation so i know that my mum was on HRT at some point because she had a full hysterectomy yeah. uh, and I don't know exactly at what point that that was but yeah again it was just one of those things where like you know I can kind of remember that it happened and I but again you know just wasn't really discussed at all within the kind of the family dynamics so so yeah I mean luckily we have moved on uh, quite a lot since that point but um and also, but also not, because I think up until this point, you know, I'm very lucky to cohabit with someone that is doing all this wonderful, you know, menopause research and advocacy and, you know, learning through osmosis and sometimes picking up a, a book that I should read. Or being uh, shouted at. Or being shouted at. Well, 
not as much as I thought, but but it has been a realization, and I'm sure this is true for countless well, countless partners out there, not just men. You know, it, mm-hmm. it could be an age differential in a in a same sex relationship or anything like that. But that for a lot of us, we still have what I would call like a sort of um, a secondary school education about the menopause in terms of like I remember learning about sex from um, was it like Ross Beard, this guy in in like you know in, in in the first year of secondary school, and he like told me all about it. It's like that that was that wasn't that was worst worst people to learn from. Or kind of you know, for, I'm very sure he didn't tell you he, anything about the menopause. He didn't. No, he didn't know anything about it. And like that was a really bad source of references to learn from your peer group at an age where actually no one knows anything about sex. Um, but coming up to it, I, you know, all I knew really was what was coloured from that time and kind of what I picked up from, I guess bits of culture and probably you know nah, you know 1980s kind Same of community yeah and so it's just like that this is a time when you're going to get angry you're going to have be completely irrational you're going to throw things at me sex is going to stop this is this is the end this is the, this is you know and and you know i need to be stoic and, and just 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 let you get on for it as you wither on the vine and kind of you know <laughs> set things on fire I'm or whatever so, so, um, <laughs> but it's not been like that <laughs> it's been... good so uh yeah in terms of I guess the stuff that that you've picked up uh by osmosis and by talking to me what uh is it is there anything that you well let's say a couple of things first of all is there anything that's particularly surprised you and second of all if uh, anybody there are any kind of partners husbands listening to this what advice would would you kind of give to them in terms of you know trying to get educated and support the person that they're in a relationship with so i guess the first bit of advice is don't listen to me at all uh, or other men uh go out and seek uh listen to this podcast or listen go and talk to your partner or um ask around ask you know actually i think what's been really nice is it's no longer a word that if you say at a party or a social engagement that you're gonna you know, the music's going to stop and it's going to talk. It's like, okay, people are talking about HRT yeah. and that. I think the big thing I've learned, the huge thing I've learned is like, it's not the menopause. Like, you know, I, I you know, I think a lot of, not everyone, but the, there's a majority of, you know, people go through similar experiences in life and so they break it down in stages. I mean, puberty can be very variable and can, you know, but, but, you get hair and there's general things that happen. I think the menopause is far, far, far more variable than I knew anything about mm. in terms of clearly for some people, well, it's not, I'm not saying it's, it's easy or enjoyable, but there are like positive, you know, menopauses where people are well informed. They have the right kind of nutrients. They actually, they work with it and actually um, they kind of embrace the life change and, you know, post-menopause not having, period pain every month like it's not yeah. it's not without <laughs> some some benefits however there are other menopauses which you know people go through intense physical pain and I think worse from what I can understand is the sort of the the psychological loneliness like you know there are there are just various conditions and various menopauses where um I, I've lost track is it 96 you'll know 98 98 or some <laughs> conditions at least what know. symptoms yeah like so, it varies depending on 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 which kind of article you're reading or, or which organization's website you're looking at but somewhere somewhere upwards of 48 I think is the kind of the kind of the middle 
okay middle ground but yeah i think it's changing all the time so you can be in pain you can have dry eyes you can have knock-on symptoms it can be affecting how you act you know the, the, like and i think more and more the more i learn about health in general there's this idea about you know we we, we, we as the medical sort of ethos that we've all grown up in and this is not just for doctors is like you know very western and and you know you treat the symptom mm. um and i think more and more people are graduating to like well look at look at the symptom is one thing but look at the system right okay you're you're showing this symptom of, of something but actually what's happening with your you know your sleep system or your endocrine system or something else and menopause is such a vast vast shift of the endocrine system the physical system everything that that is just going to be very very unique to everyone and so this idea of like coming you know having like a partner's menopause pack where it's like well you need to just give them the hot water bottle the chocolate I don't know, that might be okay for someone, but it's not going to work for someone else that's really, really struggling. And I think what I'm hoping, what I've taken from some of the the tiny scratches of learning is just to be very, very open-minded about what can happen, what it can be like. And I think, you know, support through the menopause is going to be unique and it has to be tailored to the person that's doing it. And a lot of things, I think, is actually the listening um, and to take away the the default patriarchal voice that sort of says, yes, yes, dear, you know, of course, it's just the menopause, that's just the menopause, you know, actually mm-hmm. listen to what people know their own bodies well, they know their own symptoms, and yes, you know, there might be periods of emotion, and, and you know, there might be periods where, you know, some of the symptoms are feeling a bit, you know, I don't know, irrational or emotional or whatever, but, the, but it's like, that's only one bit and there needs to be a process of listening and patience and going beyond that because there could be vast vast other things that are happening and some of those are are, are, you know potentially serious if not taken seriously and i think that's where it leads to the really dark side of menopause is the number of people that are struggling and could get some kind of help but are pushed aside and sort of left on uh, well just left out and, and kind of left to deal with it without any um validity and you know there's a lot of as one of the books was saying the amount of gaslighting in the sort of the medical fraternity for probably unintentionally but systemic again that just against women it's like well if you're if you're going to show up there um as as a woman or as a black woman even it's even worse for you and say i think this is wrong with me you know you have to fight three times as hard whereas if i go in as a man and say i need this Mm. you know well that was so the book that you're talking about is is rebel bodies by sarah graham who's uh, also appeared on the podcast and i think it's in in somewhere later on in the book she she talks about kind of experiences of people who so women who'd gone into an appointment and actually taken a, a male supporter with them and that the the kind of the attitude of that gp or that doctor had changed completely just because there was a, a male body in the room they didn't even need to say anything but just the fact of them being there changed the dynamic so again you know maybe that is something where you know if you're if you're a partner if you're a male partner you know actually agreeing volunteering to go to a gp appointment you know with your partner with your your spouse could be a real game changer and actually you know again shows that sort of solidarity in terms of you know being serious about helping them get any kind of help and support that that they might need that's amazing to learn that men have these wonderful uses of just being we can just sit down and shut up and do we meet <laughs> we're very very useful and welcome and can make life better for us sometimes. Sometimes, sometimes maybe can i can i turn the tables and ask you a couple of questions sure. is that so one of the things i'm interested in because i'm probably a bit more woo than you you're very it, woo. uh 
uh, I've got a proper job as well, is <laughs> how, how you see this period of the perimenopause, the menopause, and uh, midlife and beyond midlife, how that fits into your sort of psychological makeup in terms of how you view yourself. And I guess, I suppose what I'm trying to uh, lead to is I feel in our culture, we've lost the archetype of the wise woman. It mm. used to be a very, very tribal thing. And there's a lot of stuff about actually we're losing our community. We're losing our sort of tribal structure. But the the wise old man still exists. The old professor, you know, that's still... But the the wise woman's become the mad bat with a bunch of cats, you know. But they're, they're, we seem to have lost the, uh, the ability to look to an elder generation of women. I mean, there are still, you know, them out there. I, I think it's coming back, though. I, I think I think things are changing because we're, anyway, we're an ageing population. Uh, you know, the demographic of sort of women in that kind of perimenopause and postmenopause age bracket is the fastest growing demographic in the workplace. I think, yeah, I think the sort of, you know, people of, of my generation, that Gen X generation, who are the ones who are kind of being more vocal and speaking out, you know, we, we are the most educated cohort going through this. And, you know, we are going to be working longer than our sort of predecessors. And so I think, you know, there is a move to kind of reclaim, claw back some of that, you know, away from kind of gendered ageism. People talk a lot about, you know, going through the sort of perimenopause, menopause transition and kind of, you know, maybe finding your confidence, giving less of a of a whatever about what people think of you, kind of coming out the other side and having a bit of a having that freedom in a way, that sort of release from, you know, having to conform to a certain sense of, you know, looking a certain way, being attractive in a way, you know, you kind of you go past that and, and then you know you can put your energy in, into other things. And is that something that you feel like you're experiencing and living through like because I, I remember a lot of people saying things like oh I still feel the same as I did when I was 25 like nothing's changed internally but do you think that this period do you do you feel like you're do you feel inside like you're young you're old you're wise like how would you and do you think there's been a difference in certainly the last five or ten years mm. that's that has been impacted by not only what you're potentially going through in the perimenopause but also you know the conversations that you've been having through this podcast and and your work it's very it's very complex and i think it has to be kind of underlined by me kind of recognizing the privilege that i have in terms of having well various things so like having had a relatively easy ride a bit so far touchwood through kind of perimenopause being kind of educated because i've taken it upon myself to do that sort of through the podcast you know being able-bodied not having any serious health issues being sort of relatively comfortably off financially that that kind of means that I've got I kind of come at it from a very a very good place if you like so I and, and also having I'm kind of at an interesting inflection point where kind of our kids are you know a little bit older they're 12 and 9 so, you know, need us a bit less than kind of, you know, that kind of first maybe 10 years of child rearing, which is really intense. And you're kind of putting a lot into that and not at the same time working, you know, near enough full time a lot of the time. So not really having a lot of 
headspace to think about these kind of things so I guess this sort of two-year window or whatever has been a time for me to kind of really think about you know my health and also reassessing what I want to do career-wise business-wise having a bit more flexibility to do that because the kind of family pressure is less demanding although there have been kind of other pressures but yeah I kind of wandered off on a bit of a tangent there I don't know I mean I, I you know yes I think it is you know I think it's it's an invitation to reassess so you know in the past that's kind of been branded as your midlife crisis or whatever but it, that doesn't necessarily have to be a negative thing I think for a lot of us we get to this point of life and we realize that we're probably kind of if we're lucky halfway through and it's like well what am I going to do with the other half if I'm lucky enough to have another 48 49 50 years on the planet so I think you know there is a certain amount of soul searching and um and thinking about stuff if if you're lucky enough to kind of have the luxury time and the, the bandwidth to be able to do that yeah I'm very aware of the privilege, but I think just to say, yeah, I think there's there's been a lot of just good, I think, I know it's not necessarily easy, but actually from that, maybe it is midlife, maybe it's recognising active quality time left in your life where you're mm-hmm. completely mobile and, and completely independent and can make those decisions. Well, it, you know, it's, it is de- decreasing and depending on how long you live, actually you maybe got less of it than you think. So yeah. It's kind of like there's less messing around. I see you sort of being more focused, enjoying life, enjoying being healthy, um, and and I guess being braver about talking to people and and doing the things that you want to do, which is always really exciting to see someone do that. So from from that side of it, there's been a lot of good. Touch wood, we'll see. Can I ask you a couple more questions? <laughs> Go on like, then. Uh, I can always edit them out. Yeah. You have the power. Okay. So you asked me about advice, and I guess my advice was like, well, go and <laughs> listen to this podcast. So if someone if someone was going through the menopause and they had a partner, male, female, otherwise, who wasn't going through the menopause, who didn't mm-hmm. understand that much about it, like, what would you, and they came to you, they said, dear Emma, mm. uh, my partner's going through menopause, I'm a bit scared, what should I do? Um, <laughs> what would be the kind of the three three things that you would sort of say, or three areas to start reading, researching, or or talk I don't know what would you how would you answer that email I think we're lucky in that there is a huge amount more accessible easily accessible information out there but having said that I can appreciate if you you know if you don't know where to start that might be a bit overwhelming there are some some great books on the topic so I'm happy to um, what I might do is actually just list a few in the show notes kind of some some really good kind of basic primers and that's not to say you necessarily have to read them from cover to cover but you know dip into them try and get a sense of of what might be be going on and and use that as a you know a springboard for a conversation to say you know I, I took the initiative and I went and I got this book maybe we could sit down and talk about what's happening for you really you know there's no substitute for actually sitting down and spending the time talking to to your partner and actually finding out what is actually going on you know we both know if you're busy working your parents there's not an awful lot of kind of couple time so you know I think prioritizing that we we you know we've done some important work on kind of prioritizing spending time together 
which maybe we'll get into in another episode. But you know, it, 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 like a, a relationship, a marriage, or whatever takes work. And and actually, if you kind of you know you take you put off the gas on that side of things, and relationships can can really suffer. So without trying to sound too condescending, you know, I think it is really important to prioritize putting time aside to to actually properly sit down and kind of do active listening or or whatever and finding out what what's really going on with your partner and yeah I guess just making sure that they know that you're there for them whether like you said whether that's kind of going along with them to to GP appointments or if they decide that they're gonna kind of maybe have a bit of a health reboot you know what can you do to to support them you know can you if they want to give up alcohol for a month can you do that with them or at least kind of you know be supportive and and sort of cheer them along or if they're you know want to take up a kind of a new exercise regime how can you support that how can you know can you um help them to carve out time because I think that's particularly as women where we really struggle is to prioritize ourselves and to just to kind of really make us make time make ourselves worthy of spending time on so if your significant other can help you to enable that uh, on an ongoing basis then I think that's that's quite powerful too that's great advice I should probably follow some (laughs) so I I need the book I haven't really I don't think I've read the right kind of books on it I've read lots of websites the ones that the books I like and my friends like the mental load book that had pictures in it and cartoons. Ah, so someone needs to write, so someone a, needs a, to write a, a the picture book with, with bullet points for men. But I think there is, there is, um, is there? I will find it. I'll find a I link. There is a, a graphic novel uh, about menopause. Cool. That sounds yeah. right on my street. Yeah. Uh, okay. The second one was being talking to you and being aware. I don't know, actually. I think we talk enough. But um, you mentioned a bit about and I think it's difficult for you because I'm not sure if, like, what I find is quite confusing in this landscape is it's not like, you know, you are here. You're on day 73 of the perimenopause. In two weeks' time, you will be in the, you know, it's like. It's not what, like the little app you get with babies. Yeah, when you have a baby, like, it's like, yeah, four. yeah, it's now a breakthrough. <laughs> now you'll be banging your head against the <laughs> It's like, watch out, stage five, she's going to start throwing things. Um, so I noticed you have said things like, oh, uh, brain fog has been like a certain a symptom that you've. Um, encountered and I think there's certainly been days where you've been tired and I know I don't know if I talk about it but I know your menstrual <laughs> your menstrual pattern has been uneven yeah um, a very common to have irregular yeah kind of periods and kind of for that to be completely unpredictable especially in early perimenopause are there other things that you're enduring at the moment that you're not talking you. about like headaches uh, or you know about dry? my noise sensitivity I'm sure that's a perimenopause thing it's called misphonia you've had that ever since I've known you. I don't know. I don't know that I have. But so what, what, like, like loud noises or just noise, too much noise, you need more quiet time? What is the, what? I, th- I think just that there are certain times where we're sort of noise, and I'm sure a lot of people listening to this are nodding along, like, you know, things like loud chewing or um, just like, uh, you know, if, if I'm working and there's a kind of noise in the background, or even like the kids just being noisy sometimes, sometimes it's absolutely fine. And then sometimes that kind of loud kids chatter in the background just seems to to really put me on edge. And, and that's, I think that's another thing about the, the kind of the sort of the shape shifting side of kind of menopause, perimenopause symptoms is that, right, 
one day something might be absolutely fine and another day you know it, it might it might just send you over the edge I don't know one day you, you kind of you know your, your boobs might be fine the next day you might find particularly you've got kind of boob tenderness and you just be sitting there kind of stressing like oh god have I got you know have I got breast cancer is there something wrong with me or all the times I've missed important meetings you know I think it's very easy to kind of to worry you know I've got early onset dementia or something or what you know what's wrong with me why 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 can't I do this thing that everyone else seems to kind of to cope with but you know I think we we're quite hard on ourselves sometimes and also yeah sometimes you know if things are happening kind of at random times and and not consistently it's also kind of hard to join the dots yeah no I mean it sounds like you need to well you need to it sounds it sounds like it's a very difficult thing to approach and make sense of and I tend to find things that I can you know things like pain or discomfort that don't for me don't have Mm. a really logical explanation or emotional stuff like you know kind of trauma or grief you know why am I feeling sad I find them very destabilizing because like if I drop a hammer on my toe ow I feel pain I'm angry that (laughs) works in my very simple sort of mammal brain if suddenly I'm sad because I don't know my father died eight years ago and I never I don't know blah de blah de blah or something like that and now I'm just feeling sad on a random walk through the woods it's like well I'm in the woods and it's nice and I'm happy why should I don't know that, that doesn't so trying to join together symptoms mm. I um, think as well for men there's often a tendency to want to fix things yeah and be very practical <laughs> and you know that, uh, but yeah I think you know this is something where not necessarily everything has an easy straightforward fix and so actually a lot of the time it is just about listening and kind of understanding where somebody is at and kind of you know asking them how how can I support you not just necessarily assuming or kind of offering what what you might think is is the kind of the obvious solution is that whole cold thing about isn't it is it do you want comfort or do you want solutions and I think a lot of the time we just want kind of comfort and understanding I think I learned seeing the graph of hormones that was quite an eye-opener as well mm. seeing how how jaggy it is like sometimes you can you can have a real spike right you can, roller coaster. You, yeah even yeah. though it's going down you can have a real spike of estrogen or something all of these things that we know have a massive impact on the way mm. that you feel and it's we think it's normal when we see you know teenage boys and girls sort of you know having strong reactions but we assume by the time people are in their 40s or 50s or even younger as we know menopause comes the younger people that that you know they they know how to deal with this all so that was a big yeah i opened that it might not be the same thing that you need at every point um along the journey mm. and, it can, and that can be kind of scary too just feeling like you don't have control over your your emotions or over your body right your it's like your you know your body is kind of turning on you sometimes particularly you know if you get those kind of awful flashes of kind of irrational rage or you know like you lost count of the times I've shouted at the kids for doing something inconsequential and then just realized okay that's probably just a hormonal thing that that you know yeah Anyway, we're kind of we're, we're kind of up to time. Okay. I don't know how. I, I how hope I, it? I hope I've done okay. I hope it doesn't. This doesn't have to be live. It can be, be <laughs> private. I hope I've been, uh, you know, representing the 
the uneducated who are gradually <laughs> evolving, crawling out of the the, um, the primordial swamp. Um, and I'm sure, I hope people have got to hear a bit from you because I'm sure they want to know more about you and what you're doing. But as ever, it's been you know wonderful to talk about it, and I've learned a lot. And I'm going to probably in private ask some more questions <laughs> and yeah good to know about your night sensitivity i remember co-working with you in lockdown i think we lasted seven and a half minutes before i was informed that i breathed too loud yeah um so i, I think the listeners are on my side on that one okay. uh, <laughs> pro pro probably <laughs> we'll leave it there <laughs> yeah well thank you very much for your yeah, patience you and for, for having on. me on and yeah apologize if uh for being a man on this and for men anywhere that are, are ignorant but we are useful as as meat coming with you to the doctor's office so i will try and definitely do that Warm bodies. Uh, and we can and and I'm, I'm proof that we can be educated and actually the more educated i become through you the less scary it is i think fear. yeah i think that's uh, the that's key takeaway isn't it for me. it's yeah. been, been like i'm no longer worried i'm like actually really looking forward to like the next 10 years next year. i don't i feel like life is beginning and blossoming because it's like this is just a a thing now and while some of it's uncontrollable and some of it you know but it's like it's not this like cutting off point it's not this scary thing and mm -hmm. actually there's too much ignorance and ignorance breeds fear and then the fear just reinforces not talking about it or acting yeah. in that other way so as I'm going back into the full-time work now <laughs> you know it's my job too to try and be, be the best spread. ally I can yep. and understand that you know for for certain women of a certain age it's like uh there are going to be days where they just need, well, they may need to be, uh, they may need answers or solutions, or they just may need to be listened to, or they just may need time and space and understanding that not everyone is going to be operating 100% for every day of their life, which is a perfectly normal and reasonable thing. Yeah, <laughs> and on that note, we'll finish up for today. Thanks, Sue. Thank you. You've been listening to the Middling Along podcast. Do remember to subscribe to be notified when our next episode is live. And why not visit the blog at www.middlingalong.com to sign up to my newsletter as well. I do hope you enjoyed listening today. If you did, I'd be really grateful if you would consider leaving a short review as that helps people find the podcast and helps get it noticed. Hope you can join us next time. Goodbye for now.